Listener Production. I've never been much of a talker, really, as in a deep talker. And Christians very much are, let's talk this through. And that's something that I'm learning, not to just brush over things or move on too quickly. And that's been a wonderful learning for me, that it's also okay to talk and express your feelings, even if they don't necessarily agree with what the other person's saying. But you have to feel safe to do that. Hi, I'm Jess Rowe, and this is the Jess Rowe Big Talk Show, a podcast that skips the small talk and goes big and deep. From love to loss and everything in between, I want to show you a different side of people who seem to have it all together in these raw and honest conversations about the things that matter. Shelley Craft has been a constant presence on our TV screens for close to 30 years, starting her career on the kids' show Saturday Disney. Shelley has been a big part of the success of the ratings juggernaut, The Block. It's Australia's longest running and most successful reality TV show. She also has a fantastic podcast called The Aging Project. Now, Shelley has a radiance and warmth that shines through, but I wanted to talk with her about the moments when she doesn't feel quite so sunny. Now, Shelley. I've got you on my podcast and this is the best of all time because I have loved you for so long. You have this real effervescence and warmth that just bubbles through everything that you do. Oh, right back at you. I am so thrilled to be here. And I thought I have avoided an interview (laughs) about myself for a good you know, 30 odd years in the media. And here we are. And I can't think of anyone who I would rather chat to than you, Jess. So thank you very much for having me on board. Oh, that is such an honour for me. It really is because, I mean, you are someone who you have been in the media. I don't want to say forever, but for a very long time. How many years has it been? I started when I was 17. So yeah, 30 years. Oh, 30 years. And so of course people know you or feel like they know you because they've grown up watching you on the telly from the Disney, Saturday Disney, Mm -hmm. and now, I mean, the block, which is this juggernaut of reality TV. But is what people see you? It's definitely a part of me. And I think back in the beginning, obviously working on a kid's cartoon show, the greatest thing I learned from that was just to be yourself. It's too hard to try and be anything else. And the odds are the same. And I tell this even to our block contestants now. 50% of the people, 50% of the time. They're going to love you or they hate you. It doesn't matter which side you're on. So you can try and be something you're not and to please those people. Or you can just be yourself and please the people that like you for you. It's too hard to be anything else. Yeah, what you see is what you get. Would you say though... You know, when you were younger, young Shelley, when you were doing the kids' show, that there was a part of you that was either anxious or unsure to be yourself, or did you embrace who you were even then? I think even then I was I'm very much who I am. My dad, an extraordinary character and a wonderful dad, but he always said, JDI, JDI was our motto in our house, just do it, before Nike even came up with it, I'm sure. So there was always this wonderful encouragement to just give it a go. 
And there was never, oh, you should hide that side of you or perhaps hold back a little bit or are you sure? It was just rip in and give it a go. Um, I've always been very self-confident and I'm so grateful to my parents for that. Is that really where it came from? Because I think about myself when I was in my 20s and the, when I was in media early on, I wasn't comfortable in my skin and I felt I had to be a version of myself, but I wasn't truly myself. Well, I guess what you came through a, a journalistic background and I guess there is that expectation, isn't there, to be an upright citizen. Or <laughs> well, to be to serious, hold yourself you see. So serious. And, and I'm I find not. The, the news readers are the <laughs> loosest of the lot, aren't they? Um, that's it. But again, a kid's show, I just had to be a kid. And even though I started um, on air when I was 17, I was still a kid. It was a little bit harder to act as kiddish uh, when I was 25. <laughs> but no, I think I've just got a, quite a young outlook on life. I was always just me, Jess. This is it. <laughs> this is all you get. This could be a very short interview. No, what you see <laughs> is what you get. But picking up on what you're saying about just being comfortable being a kid makes me think about something that I heard John Cleese, that wonderful comedian, say recently, is that we can never stop playing, mm-hmm. that we need to still embrace that ability to play. Mm-hmm. And that's how we remain fresh, can push ourselves, because then we're not afraid of what, other people might think. Very good point. Thank you, John. Yes. And look again, who are you doing it for? Who are you hiding yourself for? And what is that ever going to achieve? I will say coming off Disney and moving on to the Great Outdoors, which was a travel show, um, and having that amazing opportunity, I thought at that point, oh, now I'm, you know, I'm a reporter um, and I have to be a little bit more serious. But again, it was a holiday show. So it's never really been asked of me to be something that I'm not. The beautiful program, Domestic Blitz, where we helped Australian families in their probably their darkest times. We weren't solving their problem. Hopefully we were making their life a little bit easier by you know, renovating their house. And as crazy as that sounds, my home is my sanctuary. And to be able to help give somebody else that space where they could take a breath be themselves, be safe in their home environment, was a wonderful program to work on. But then the flip side of that, I was working on Australia's Funniest Home Videos at the same time where I'm laughing at people's misfortunes and having a giggle about the family dog. And so it sort of fulfilled both sides of my personality. But Domestic Blitz did allow me, I think, my first opportunity in the Australian public on air to show my empathetic side a little bit calmer a little bit more grown up, I suppose. Yes. You talk about wanting to show the empathetic side. Where do you think that came from? I'd like to think I've always been very empathetic, very curious about the world and other people's way of living. And again, Saturday Disney was a wonderful vehicle for this because one day we were interviewing the hottest band in town and the next day I was joining the mounted police and then the next day I would be helping a young, you know, disabled child with something at a telethon. You know, there were all these incredible opportunities to explore what interested me, the fascination of the world around me. So I've always had this lovely balance, I suppose. I'm a third child. I'm sure there's lots of third children out there listening. You know where we sit in the family. You've sort of just got to... You go with the flow. You go with the flow, but you're also left to your own devices a lot. Um, I think a lot of expectation on 
first children, and I know this. You know, I'm a firstborn. There you I go. Can Overachiever, type yes. A personality. Yes. You know, all you of those. You've got to pave the way for everyone, that's and that's it. so tedious. And then the second one, again, all that expectation. By the time you get to the third, and then my little brother, oh, he's a whole other in podcast. the slipstream. <laughs> yes, that's right. <laughs> but for me, I sort of went about life in my own little way, and I learned a lot of independence. I'm fiercely independent, and I guess that also fueled my curiosity to discover what was around and, and to fill my days with things, you know, that I could, I didn't have to report to anyone um, particularly. So, yeah, I, I guess that independence is, is a huge part of who I am and how I seek out things in the world. You know, I work hard. If I turn up, I show up and I give 110%. And sometimes that's not, you know, enough but it's all I've got on the day. What do you mean it's not enough? Why is 110% not enough? Well, you know when you're not having a good day, but you're still giving it your all, but you know, you know, you're not on point. But I will always walk away going, I did my best today. And I'm quite generous with myself in that regard. And I think that has to, that's a personality type too. I'm, I am kind to myself. And I know a lot of people aren't. And, Have and, you always been kind to yourself? I think this is fascinating I'm still learning to be kind to myself. I'm not there yet. I'm mm. much better the older I get. But I know when I was younger, well, 20s and 30s, the way I'd speak to myself, I wouldn't dream of speaking to someone I love like that. So have you always mm. spoken kindly to yourself? No, but tough love's not a bad thing either, oh. is it? For well, yourself? No. You're, you're the only one who's going to be really honest with oh. you and it doesn't have to be out loud to other people. But yeah, yeah maybe it's an honesty. I've been really honest with myself. And I'll give myself a good slap every now and then, but the leniency comes as well. And possibly that's with age. Perhaps I am getting softer as I get older on me. <laughs> I mean, this drive very much, Shelley, seems to come through. I love hearing that notion of choosing things for fun because mm. I'm a huge believer in going for things that bring me joy. And so for you to be making decisions around, well, is this going to be fun? Is this going to bring me joy? Mm. Where has though that come from? I mean, it sounds to me like it's always been there. Is it something that's become deeper over time or again, it's something that's always been innate within you? I think it's innate because it's, I see the world through rose-coloured glasses. I do believe it's a wonderful place to be and I think that does come from deep down inside. I have my shitty days. There's and no what doubt. do they look like? What do your shitty days look like? Well, just low or quiet. I'm an introvert. I know that sounds hard to believe. I get drained by being around lots of people. So I need my time to just regroup. Um, well, because I think that's because you give a lot of yourself. And a lot of people who seem to be extroverts, as you say, are introverts because they're giving, giving, giving. Mm. You know, you've got this incredible energy and warmth. That is exhausting. You need to mm. kind of have that quiet time to regroup. Whereas extroverts, but they feed on that and that does give them energy. Um, my husband's one of those. He loves being around people and he loves being the life of the party and he brings the party and he is truly energised by getting out there and getting amongst it. Whereas I tap out really quickly. I'm like, oh, nine o'clock, I'm out. Um, and even there's days, and I fly a lot. I think that's my downtime. So I take that as my personal time so that when I'm back with my family, I can give again. 
as you do learn more about yourself, I suppose you find those opportunities to recharge. Whereas if you didn't have those breaks, I assume other introverts do need to take themselves away for a while. But I seem to recharge pretty quick. I'm like a you know Tesla. <laughs> <laughs> yes, just find the charging yeah, find point. The charging point. <laughs> Make it quick. Yeah, quick power nap or a quick timeout or meditation, whatever it might be, just to to recharge. But no, I think I've always sought fun. I think I. I do see the world as a, as a great place to be. And you mentioned being an introvert and also, yes, you do have your quiet days or your down days. Have you ever been depressed? Has it ever been that down? Yes, I went through a divorce um, and that was really tough. I was young and I, ma- I married young at 23. We'd been together for probably seven years before that, married for seven. And to think that I had failed someone, I suppose. And, you know, divorces obviously come in many different shapes and sizes for everyone. But for me, yeah, I really felt like I'd failed or I hadn't found the joy <laughs> possibly in that. And that was tough, as it is. So how do you get through that? There'd be people listening perhaps at a similar point in their lives and thinking, I'm never going to find that joy or that fun again. For you, how did you you know, find your way through that? Work. <laughs> yeah. I'm a, I'm a workaholic and I know my job looks like a lot of fun again, which it is, but I really do throw myself into it and I give it, give it everything I've got. And that was a way for me to get through it and to sort of, that was a part of myself that was still intact, I suppose. Um, so that was where I could find myself again and enjoy the days Um, And then sit with myself. And I think that's one thing I've learnt over time is you do have to sit with your your grief and your pain. But again, I know that I have it easy. And I know that there's a lot of people out there in in a lot of pain in very dark places. And I know I'm not one of those. And so to wallow in that is not fair to the people who really do have very dark places. So again, you sort of lift yourself out of it. And I'm, I'm always aware how lucky I am and how good the planet has been to me. Um, and so I don't dwell on things for as long as, as some people need to or do do. You see, again, there's that beautiful part of you with the glass half full mm. looking at a time in your life that was very difficult. Because the thing is, regardless of what anyone's going through, it's what you're going through and that in itself is hard as opposed to it can be difficult when you're going through a tough time and then you might look at someone else and think, oh, but they've got it far worse so I'm, mm. I, I can't feel this way. When in fact we are entitled, as you say, to sit in it and to grieve mm. and to think, okay, the, I'll find my way through with work or whatever it is for that pocket of joy to come through. Mm. There was a great quote way back from <laughs> Ali McBeal, of all people, and someone asked her in an episode, and I don't know why this stuck with me, but it has, uh, Billy, I think, said, why are your problems so much bigger than everybody else's? And she said, because they're mine. And at the time, it must have been at that time, I was like, right, okay, I'm allowing myself this time, but I'm going to move forward too. And again, very different for everyone. So it's, you know. That is such, I think, a beautiful and powerful way to think about it because exactly, it is yours. And we almost need to, honour's the wrong word, but actually realise that, yes, this is something that is hard and I have to sit in it 
and then find my way through it. And which you've done in the most incredible way. You have a beautiful husband now, a gorgeous family. So tell us a little bit about then, I suppose, love the next time round and what it was that you were looking for and what life looks like now for you with love. It was a real partnership that I have now. It's wonderful and it's magical and it's all those you know, beautiful, fuzzy feelings, but it's very even. Um, in my first relationship, really, I worshipped him. I was young and it was exciting and it was, you know, first true love and all, and all of those beautiful emotions, but there was, in my mind, no equality there. And now what I have is this amazing, grown-up, mature partnership and we're growing together and we're maturing together and... I believe what we have now is absolutely, and my girls laugh because, you know, we're their parents, but they see a real relationship. Um, And I love being able to show them all of that, you know, warts and all, but we're great friends and we're equals. To me, that's the most important thing. That's so beautiful. And, And also that sense of a real partnership. I mean, to me, that's what a great relationship or a good relationship is about. You're a team Mm. and you help one another through different things. And you may be very different, but it is equal, as you say. Mm. Yeah, and not equal in all tasks and chores and, you know, responsibilities, but you see each other as equally important in the relationship and equally important in the family and equally important in the dynamic and everyone's opinion, even if it's not the same as yours, is equally as important to put out there and to talk it through. And again, I've never been much of a talker, really, as in a deep talker. And Christians very much are, let's talk this through. And that's something that I'm learning, not to just brush over things or move on too quickly. And that's been a wonderful learning for me that it's also okay to talk and express your feelings, even if they don't necessarily agree with what the other person's saying. But you have to feel safe to do that. And you have to feel okay that this isn't going to be the end if you voice your opinion. Exactly, that they will still be there by your side. I know with my husband, Petey, he's very much my rock. And I know, come what may, he will be there. So there's nothing that I could ever tell him I would feel would frighten him away. Mm. Mm. And there's a freedom in that, isn't there? Immense freedom and security at the same time and just having a full voice. And I'm hoping my girls feel that and see that as well. Yeah, I lived in a house. My parents got along famously and then suddenly they were divorced. I was like, oh, where did that come from? We never saw conflict in our house. And to this day, they're still great friends and, you know, their relationship is, is another thing. But I never learned to deal with conflict. And so I think perhaps you do just move on and put it away and I'm happy to do that. I don't have a hundred bags that I need to unpack, emotional um, baggage that I carry with me. But I'm now learning, you know, and as I get older and maturing, that it's okay to sit and unpack things for a moment rather than just chucking them away. Yeah, next. Mm. And we're always learning. And that point you make about modelling a good relationship for your kids, I think is so powerful too. We can forget that. I know sometimes as a parent, there's this sense of telling, I used to think I had to tell my daughters what to do and that was how they'd learn. But 
it's really, they're like sponges and they see what's happening around them. Mm. And that's very much how they learn. They can then model behaviour from what they see directly around them. Yes, yes. And that's good and bad and ugly. They need to see it all to be able to then work out how they would deal in that situation. And I've had my, my you know, 13-year-old say to me, oh, mum, I wouldn't have done it that way. I'm like, okay. Or rather than going, well, it's not your business anyway. She knows her dad as well as I do. How would you have handled this situation? And it's Deep re- breath. Yes, <laughs> that's right. That. <laughs> um, no, and, and I've also tried really hard in my parenting to do that, not say the first thing that comes out of my mouth because that's often not coming from my thought process. That's something that I've inherited. That's something that's ingrained in me. That first reaction to something is what I've learnt. So now I just do. I stop what I think I was about to say and I check with me that that's really what I meant, what I meant, not what my parents would have said, not what their parents would have said. So much of what we do is sort of ancestral, you know, ingraining in us that I'm becoming very aware of not doing that and having my opinion on it, not just my mum's or my grandma's <laughs> opinion on things. It's <laughs> tricky, I find, to do that. Every now and then I'll be saying things, I'll be like, that's my mum. <laughs> this yeah. is really scary what I just said. <laughs> but sometimes it's beautiful yeah. and they're the words of wisdom they need. Absolutely, mum. <laughs> um, but sometimes it's not what I think. I just think that's what I should say. In terms of being a mum, how would you describe your kind of mothering style or the sort of mum that you are? Oh. <laughs> um, I, I said to my girls the other day, because I'm a soccer mum, uh, Miller plays soccer and I'm the manager of their team. So oh, I, how brilliant. It's so good. I think it's great. <gasps> yes. But I did say to Miller the other day, um, why do you, all your friends and team members look at me when I talk to them? Like they look at me strangely. To, do your friend's parents speak to you? She goes, well, no, Mum, and I've been meaning to talk to you about it. <laughs> Not the way that you speak to kids, but I think that's coming from being a kids' show host for so long that you do look kids in the eye. And I still find myself in shopping centres smiling at any child under the age of 12 <laughs> because I think, you know, they watched me on Disney. Um, I don't presume that anyone older than that has watched anything I've done, but any kid, and of course they weren't even born when I was on the show, but they're my core audience, right? So I will smile. (laughs) Probably sounds really weird and I'm sure other parents hold their child's hand a little tighter than this crazy woman's looking at them and smiling in the shops. But yes, I I treat my kids like grown-ups and we have conversations and I obviously treat their friends um, (laughs) the same way too, which isn't necessarily the best But it's how we find out Mm. things and also what they're thinking. And I love, love, love being a mum. It is the greatest thing on the planet. Well, it's a privilege. I I just think, oh, aren't we lucky to have these souls that we're almost entrusted with? It is extraordinary. And each day and each moment, you're never quite sure what's going to happen. But I, in fact, love it more the older my daughters get. Yes. I didn't want to wish away their baby years. Oh, well, I did. toddler years. But, I God, I'm having fun now. And you know what makes me sad is that I have a pretty bad memory. But I'm so thrilled that with modern technology and phones that we have 
so much back catalogue of our kids' lives. Whereas I remember having my photo taken at my birthday, first day of school, maybe the hat parade, Christmas. And that was the same every year. But now And the school photos, which are always terrible. But now you've got a daily account. So I often sit with my girls and look at their baby videos and look at their baby photos. And it makes me sad, I guess, the only thing about getting older is my memory's getting worse. Got to work on that. Is that I don't remember a particular day or a particular moment until it's triggered by a photo. But I wish... I wish I could remember those moments more because I think I sort of brushed over and I worked all the way through their childhoods, took them with me, dragged them with me, hung Miller up, you know, in her jolly jumper in the makeup room when I was doing Funniest Home videos or they came to the block with me when they were tiny babies. Um, So they were always there, but they were with me rather than me being with them. But I hope you don't give yourself a hard time about that. I think you've learned I don't really give myself a hard time about anything much. Um, no, but I do reflect on it and I look at mums that have taken time off work, but there was no such thing. You know, I'm on a contract, so there's no maternity leave. There was no, you know, break in my schedule. I slipped two Caesars in between a recording schedule because that's what I wanted to do, not because the network said that's how it's got to be. It just worked out for me that way. And I didn't apologise for taking my girls to work with me either. We'll just make this work. So I guess the cup was always half full. They'll come with me and we'll work it out when we get there. Fly by the city pants. <laughs> Which is what it's about. And as you say, making it work for you. And the experience that your daughters have had in terms of seeing what you do and continue to do, you can't sort of replicate that with anything else. I think that's invaluable. I think so too. And I think working mums have to cut themselves some slack. Because we are showing our girls that it's not just okay to have a job, it's great to have a job. Find a job that you love almost as much as you love being at home or love being a mum. And I think that's really empowering for our girls to see that we're still doing it because we want to as much as we need to. We're providing for our families, but we're also giving ourselves so much And that makes me a better mum. Beautifully said. And I know I've said that to my daughters that when they used to, when they were littler and I'd leave early for work and they were like, why do you have to go? And I said, well, actually, it makes me a better mummy for you, me going, because this, I enjoy doing this. It makes me happy. So I'm going to be a happier mum for you. Yeah. And that's okay. In fact, that's awesome. It is. It's essential. And with you, you've kind of reinvented yourself though. Even though you've very much been a constant face on the telly, you keep doing different things, having a crack at different things. You're a real estate agent (laughs) as well. Just saw the way you looked at me when you said that. (laughs) No! What? (laughs) Yeah. Well, it makes sense because, I mean, you know about renovating homes. You've got a beautiful way with interiors and all of that. And, you know, you, what's the word, flip houses? Well, we do. I have always loved real estate. My parents built a couple of our family homes. So I've sort of been on a building site and and gone through the process of that. And, And then I bought my first home, I think, when I was about 23 and have sort of turned over homes since then. The real estate thing came about, I was curious and I'd been working on the block for many years 
And my role there sort of started out as um, the challenge master. I'd come in once a week and give the contestants some more money because that's what they really needed. And then it evolved more to sort of being on set and perhaps offering a different voice to Scotty. I felt like I was the same age as a lot of the contestants when we started and now I'm certainly the mother hen um, on board. They're, They're all young enough to be my children. But that love of seeing new things happen all the time and then the auctions and the excitement, also the pressure, just the the ridiculous jeopardy that happened on that day. I really thrive on that. And again, it comes back to loving being on live television. You know, there's not a lot of live around anymore. So for me, it was that performance, perhaps going back to wanting to be an actress. This is, this is your moment on stage and the auctions are live and the audience is watching. And once the train leaves the station, really you just hold on for the ride. And then we have a real estate agency of our own in Byron Bay. It's my husband's business. And to help him out more, I had to get my license. So I could have just floated along and I have a lot of knowledge about the industry, but I really wanted to test myself. I was a terrible student at school. I wanted to test myself to see whether I could commit to studying something I loved. And no, I'm just as bad a student now as I was back then. (laughs) It was very difficult to get through, but I've got it. And yeah, it's the one qualification in my life that I have. (laughs) What a qualification. And you do open houses, don't you? I do. I do. I'll, I'll stand there and people do double take and they'll ask what on earth I'm doing there. But that's my family business. And when I'm not on the block, you know, you've, you've got to eat. And I love it. It's the voyeurism of real estate, I think, that we really do enjoy the most. But I also love being able to offer some advice to the vendors about how to, you know, make their home a bit more appealing for potential buyers. If I can help anyone with anything, I'm, I'm here to help. You've got such a big, beautiful heart. Just finally, you've done so much. You're doing so much. What's next? Is there something that you think, oh, this is where I want to really put my passion. I'm working on that. I have a lot of wonderful charities that have opened their doors to me and I find it really difficult because, you know, I've had some health things in our family that you could direct your attention to, but again, there's so many people that have more experience with things. So I found it really hard to offer my services, whatever that may be, to a charity to help spread the word, you know, lift the message. It's just got to be a really good fit so that you can speak from the heart about it. Um, So that's something I would love to do more of, but it has to be the right thing because otherwise I don't feel like I have a place there. Work-wise, God, I've had a good run. I've done live, I've done sport, I've done game shows, kids shows travel shows um, and any of the young... Olympics. Olympics, yeah, I've worked on many Olympics and I love that. You're an incredible communicator and you're an enthusiast for life. Yes. It's what we need, I think, more than ever. Your beautiful exuberance and warmth and glass half full personality. Well, you know what's exciting is that it's still to come isn't it? Whatever it is, if there's anything out there for me, whether it be in the media or not, I'm excited about what that might be. And I know I have to manifest it. And beautiful Georgie Coughlin has taught me all about manifesting. I have to come up with what it is. But I think it's important to point out I'm also really content where I am. And I think we're often striving for the next thing 
all the time, on the hunt, on the search. I'm really content with my life and where I am and I don't want or need for anything and I'm really proud of that too because I'm not on the hunt and I'm, you know, I'm not wanting to change things out. I'm really just happy. Shelley, thank you for bringing your happiness into our studio and into our listeners' ears. I talk with you and I feel like I go, ah, so thank you, beautiful. Thank you. It's been great talking. Sure has. Oh, Shelley is like a big, warm hug. I so love catching up with her because we have crossed paths so many times over the years and it was so lovely to have a big DM with her. Earlier this year, I had a big question with Shelley and I asked her, how can we make the rest of our life the best of our life? So if you haven't heard it yet, it's well worth a listen. There's a lot of biohacking that can go into ageing if you want to really deep dive into it. But I think the key is, again, a good nighttime routine. And I've never been one for routine. My life does not function well with routine. So this is something that I'm trying to build into my day, whether it's my morning routine or my night routine. And I'm finding a lot of comfort in that because, again, life can be a little bit chaotic. But if you set yourself boundaries for that nighttime, the wind down, you know, the turn all the lights down in the house, turn the down lights off and only have lamps, watch the sunset so that actually triggers your body to go into that rest mode. The Jess Rowe Big Talk Show is hosted by me, Jess Rowe, executive producer, Nick McClure. She's a wonderful leopard lady. Audio imager, Nat Marshall. Supervising producer, Sam Kavanagh. Until next time, remember to live big. Life is just too crazy and glorious to waste time on the stuff that doesn't matter. Listener.